If you have your Bibles this morning, I would like for you to uh, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 27th chapter. Matthew, the 27th chapter, uh, verses 50 and 51. We are um, moving towards uh, Easter Sunday. And so as we have this week before Easter, I really want us to be focusing on on salvation and really what it means and, and what it looks like. And in order to really fully understand exactly what took place in the New Testament with the life of Jesus, I think it's really important for us to understand some things in the Old Testament that will give it even a greater significance to that understanding. You know, when, when God set his people apart and he began to talk to Moses and gave Moses some... Um, uh, directions for what they were to do on worshiping God and, and how they were to bring offerings to him. If you went through the book of Leviticus, they've got about five different offerings that if you have a particular sin, you come before God and you make this offering and ask for forgiveness of sin. But then there was a thought, and that was, well, you know, what about the sins that I committed that I didn't even realize I committed. You know, there's some things that I did wrong and I didn't realize I did wrong. What happens to all of those? Well, God set up a day that he called the Day of Atonement. And on that Day of Atonement, you could go through the rituals necessary and what God would do is he would bring forgiveness to all of those sins. Now, to understand the Day of Atonement, you've got to understand a little bit about the temple. And real briefly, when God laid out for what the tabernacle would look like and then what the temple would look like, there were different sections. There was the courts where everybody could come in. But then you came and there was a place called the, the holy place. And that's where only the priests could come in. And that's where they would do some of the things that, that they were to do with the incense and, and providing the oil for this lamp. And, and they did their priestly duties. But then there was an area called the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place. Now, uh, I could not reconstruct the temple. I tried to, but I just couldn't, couldn't do it in my spare time, so I'm taking two chairs, okay? Just follow with me. In the uh, temple, if you took these two chairs, we'll put them about right here. If this was your holy place, and then there was this Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies, there was one thing there, and it was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, there was a mercy seat on top of it. And that is where God said that he would manifest his presence. And so the presence of God was right here. And the Ark of the Covenant that had the Ten Commandments in there, it all also had uh, the staff of, of Aaron, and it had a, a pot of manna, which showed how God took care of the children throughout their time in the wilderness. And so that Ark of the Covenant was there, and the mercy seat was there, but there was a divider between this holy place and this holy of holies. And it was called a veil. Now, when you think of a veil, you think of something that's wispy that you put around your face and throw around your, your shoulder or something. But it was really more of a, it's a curtain. And it's a, it's a boss hog of curtains, I'm telling you. This veil that separates this holy place from the holy of holies is a veil, is a temple, is a, excuse me, is a curtain that is about 60 feet high. So if you can imagine in this place, 60 feet high, 30 feet wide. So it's 30 feet wide, 60 feet high. 
It was embroidered with the finest expensive yarn and materials from Babylon in four different colors, at red, white, blue, and purple, and they interweaved all these threads to get this tight, tight curtain that some believe weighed anywhere from hundreds to even thousands of pounds, and it was four inches thick. It's supposed to be the thickness of about a person's hand, so it's about four inches thick. So when you think about that, you think about this curtain, and it's 30 feet long, 60 feet high, four inches thick, and it separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And this is where the presence of God is. And no one can go in there. It'll always be there. It'll always be that separation. Nobody goes in there except one man on one day. The high priest on the day of atonement can go in there. And what he does on the day of atonement is they bring him two goats. They bring one goat and this goat. He lays hands on this goat and he takes the sins of all the people and symbolically places it on that goat. And then as he takes that goat, someone will then take that goat who the hands have been laid on and will take it out into the deserted wilderness and let it go. It represents that all the sins of the people are taken and they are gone. Okay? That's where we get our word scapegoat. You know, he's gone. They're, they're taken out there. But then you've got this second goat. And the second goat, they will then slay this goat, take the blood of this goat, and put it into a vessel. And this high priest will then prepare to go through this veil into the Holy of Holies. But before he can even do that, he has to do a sacrifice to shed blood of an animal to cover his personal sins so that he can be pure before God. They then push aside the curtain. He takes that vessel of blood, walks into this holy of holies, and sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. And it represents the fact that the sacrifice and that this should cover their sins. And he prays and he asks God to forgive the sins for the people of Israel. And when he finishes with that, he then comes back out. And that's the last time anyone can go back there until next year, Day of Atonement. Okay, you have an understanding? So that veil, that curtain of the temple, it just speaks out with a sign that says no access. You can't get to God. And for all the people of Israel, when they see the temple and they come to worship in the temple, they can't even get to the holy place. But if they did and they could peer in, there would always be this huge curtain that would separate them from the presence of God. And they could never come into his presence. But they, could, they would only ha always have to go through a particular priest in order for that to happen. God was unapproachable. Now, you look at something like that and you say, well, good night. Who set that up? Did, is that something that a bunch of religious people set up? No. God set that up. God set it up. And he set it up that way because he wanted to remind the people of his holiness. That God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. He is just. You don't just flippantly come into God's presence. He is holy. And so this separation... 
whatever they thought about God, they realized that their sinfulness is what separated them from a holy God. And they could not come into his presence. And so God did this. This is what God set up. And this was his plan. And this was his sacrifice plan that he set up throughout all these years because it was going to lead up to the ultimate sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ. And so this sacrificial system, it's set. It's ready. There is this separation between God and humanity because of all of their sins. And so with this separation there and with this no access that man could have to God, something happens while Jesus is on the cross. And in Matthew 27, starting in the 50th verse, as he is ready to, to die, he's been on the cross for almost six hours, and in verse 50, it says this, and Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And some people believe it may have been when he yelled, it is finished. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and where was it torn in two? From where to where? Top to bottom. It was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. This huge curtain was torn, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. It was the exact moment that Jesus cried out and said that it is finished, it is done, commend my spirit to you, God. When he cries that out, at that exact same moment, then God tears the veil of the temple, just tears it in half. And he did that in order to communicate a message. What he was doing was this was signifying God's work. And he says, guess what? You don't need a sinful high priest to come into my presence. My son, Jesus Christ, who needs no atoning sin, who lives a perfect life, he is into the presence, into my presence, because he is sinless, and it is his blood that is on that mercy seat. Jesus shed his blood, and so all of a sudden, he becomes our mediator to God. He comes right through the temple. He is the great high priest. He is the permanent satisfaction of God's wrath on sin. Need to understand that. When the temple was torn, and when, you, when you, the veil of the temple, it just opened up like this. And as it opens up and it tears open, everyone can now see this mercy seat. And they can see and come into the presence of God. What God has said is that Jesus... His sacrifice has taken care of the wrath of God on all of sin. It has paid the penalty. And that is why there was no need for any other sacrifices. When you pick up the book of Acts, you don't see the uh, disciples and the followers going through sacrifices. That doesn't need to happen anymore. He says that's already been taken away. That, that, that's been done. It's had its purpose. It's led up to this one event so that you can understand what this sacrificial system means. There has to be a payment for sin. And guess what? Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, son of God, died on the cross, spilt his blood for us. He paid that penalty. And so the veil of the temple is torn in two, and it's open, and it's wide open to where anyone that needs to can come in there. So this day of atonement was fulfilled in this one sacrificial action. God had been hidden, he'd been remote, no man could come before him, but now all of a sudden it's wide open for people to come in and have a relationship with God. 
At this time, they come through Jesus Christ because he is like this veil of the temple. He is our high priest. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? It is like my flesh. My flesh has been torn. My blood has been shed. It's right here on the mercy seat. And if you want to come to the Father, you come to the Son. And he said, I've already paid the penalty. And you can see who God is. You can learn all about God. And you just come through me right here. It's open. So as as I read that and I began to think about, about that veil being torn and that image of salvation, there were two things that jumped out at me. When the veil of the temple of the, of the temple is torn, you can stand on the outside or you can step through the veil. And the first thing I would challenge you to do is to step through the veil. It's wide open. Now, it's available for every one of us to step through this veil. And because of that, there are a couple of words I want you to stick in your mind. Number one is the word access. The word access. Now, You've got Matthew 27. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. That's New Testament almost near the very back, okay? Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. And you need to turn there because we're going to hang out in Hebrews for just a few moments over here. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Keeping in mind this picture right here. And you look at the 12th verse of the 10th chapter of Hebrews. And it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. When he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, this was it. This is the only sacrifice that is needed. We don't need to kill any more goats or lambs or birds or chickens or anything. He says that sacrifice is done. The blood has been shed. That is it. And then he says, we have access to him. Look at verse 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. When the curtain was torn, it gives us access. Now, Every one of us has experienced the frustration of no access or no admittance, haven't you? You ever gone to a game and you had your ticket and you're looking over there and all the cool people were going into one of these gates and that's where you wanted to go and you gave them and they go, no, your ticket doesn't get you in there. See what it says? No access. You can't get in there. You ever go on your computer, tried to access something and you don't have the right password, something doesn't work? Is that frustrating? I can't log in. I don't have the password. I can't get access to a website. Can't get even access to, my, to this computer over here. I've got no access. It's frustrating. And, and there are things I want to go in places, and I'm driving down this road, and all of a sudden I'm, I feel like that's where I need to go, and it says, no, there's no access here. Or I'm, I'm walking somewhere, and they're saying, you don't have, uh, in my business, and I said, you don't have clearance to get access to this particular room or these particular files. No access, no admittance. It's kind of frustrating. And you see, for the people of Israel, this is what they felt. 
There's no access. There's no way you can get to God. There's no way you can have a personal relationship with God. You've always got to go through, through someone else. Go through one of these priests. All of a sudden, when Jesus died on the cross, at that same moment that he said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, all of a sudden, God just tore that veil of the, uh, of the temple, and he just tore that down. And when he tore it down, he says, you have got direct access to me. It's like a sign that came in, and it says, welcome. You have access. You, God is now approachable. And that means that any of us can step through the veil. It is wide open for every person. And so again, it doesn't matter your race, your socioeconomic status, uh, your education. Every one of us can step through the veil. Every one of us has access. Every person you come into contact with this next week, they have access to step through the veil and to meet a holy God through the person of Jesus Christ. Everybody's got access. But here's your second word, and that is acceptance. Not only do you have access, but you have acceptance. Hebrews 4. I want you to turn to Hebrews 4. Look at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. 4.16 says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Look at the first part of that. Let us then with confidence. Some of your translations have boldness. Let us then with boldness draw near to the throne of God. In, verse, in chapter 10, verse 19, it also said that. Since we have confidence, we can draw near to the throne of God. You have confidence. In our lives, we understand access does not always mean acceptance. Access does not always mean acceptance. You are, went to college and you were just hoping to be a part of this fraternity. Your dad had been in that fraternity. Your granddad had been in that fraternity. Or, or from a sorority, you want to be in a sorority because all your family was legacies and that's all they ever talked about, okay? It's kind of like if you were a Chi Omega, they were big on owls, I believe. That's what my sister was. And so they put an owl in your crib when you were young. And every gift they gave you was owls. And they dressed you up in owl outfits. And they wanted you, they wanted you to be a Chi Omega. That's what you had to be. And they were so excited. And then they sent in all their 63 letters from every person, you know, to give you references. And half of them didn't even know you. And, and they send those in and, and they read it over and they said, yes, you can come and be a part of this sorority, be a part of this fraternity. You have access. But just because you got access doesn't necessarily mean you have acceptance. You understand what I'm talking about? How many of you have ever gotten in a fraternity or a sorority and then the people just didn't really accept you? How many of you hired in to a company and got involved in a work group and once you got there, folks just didn't accept you? like what a guy used to say in Ruston, you just didn't G and haw together. Things just didn't, hey, didn't, didn't go right. You got in some club, but everybody didn't accept you. You made the team, but just because you made the team, you got access to the team. Once the team is there and you're in the locker room and then you're out on the court or the field, folks just don't accept you. You wondered why after 18 games, no one ever threw a pass to you in the basketball they said, get in the corner, we'll fake it to you, all right? And, 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 you know, what is it? People just didn't accept me. 
And so access does not always mean acceptance. And that's where some of us as, as, as strugglers and seekers of God, we say, well, Danny, I see what you're saying, and I can step through this veil, and, and I've got access to God, but I just don't think I've got acceptance. Because of my past, my history, things that I've done, I don't see it. I don't see it for me. Now, I see these people that I work with that seem to really be good folks, and I can see how that would be, God would be accepting of them. Listen, folks, the only reason that this veil was torn is because Jesus Christ paid the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. And when it was torn, it was open for every one of us to come. Sinners, nasty, stinking sinners, every one of us, separated from God because of what's in our hearts and what we do. And yet we come to him through the person of Jesus Christ, and when we say, I accept the sacrifice that Christ has made for my sins, that blood that's on that mercy seat was shed for me. When you do that, Christ introduces you to the Father, and he embraces you, and he accepts you. That's why it says you can come with confidence to the throne of God. You can come boldly as a child of God. You can do that. And he says here in this verse 16 that God gives us mercy, he gives us grace. He gives us mercy for those past failures. He gives us grace for all of our present needs. We can draw close to God with confidence because we are acceptable to him, not because of the works that we have done for him, but because of Jesus' perfect work for us. You come with confidence. And to know that when the veil of the temple, when that was torn, there was an access to get to God, but there was an acceptance. The Bible says that when you receive Christ, you become born again. You become like a new baby in the family. It also says that you're adopted into the family of God. And when you're adopted into the family of God, it means not only do you have access to the family, but you have acceptance in that family. You know, we we adopted our daughter, Lauren, and when we adopted her, she was six days old, and we had to drive about an hour to go pick her up, and then when we picked her up, and the first time we ever laid eyes on her, and so I'm driving, and I've got the rearview mirror going back here looking at Janice, and she's holding Lauren, and, and she's crying, and we're rejoicing, and we're driving, and, and we finally get to Ruston, and, and, uh, and, we, and we get out of the car, and, and we're trying to get everything ready, and, and, and there's a, uh, a little blue rocking chair that we had that was sitting in our bedroom. And so uh, it was time to give her a bottle. And so I was going to be the first one to, to give, her, give her this bottle uh, over here. And, and so I remember holding her, and I can still see it today. As I'm holding her, I'm looking down into those eyes, and, I'm, and I've given her this bottle, and then I'm taking away, and I'm kind of looking at her and just, you know, just kind of painting that whole picture in my face. And as I held her, these are the exact words I said. I said, you are Lauren Brindley Wood, and I am your father. And I love you, and I'll always be there for you. You are a part of this family. She was accepted. She just didn't just have access. She was accepted. And when you walk through this veil, you have access to God. But when you walk to there, he puts you in his arms, and you're accepted. You are a part of his family. And he says, and when you come boldly to his throne, he gives you mercy and he gives you grace. 
I mean, if, if I took a poll today and I said, how many of you would like to have acceptance, mercy, and grace? I think we would score 100% on those three. Does that make sense, choir? Would you love to have mercy? Would you love to have grace? Would you love to know that you are accepted? Everybody wants this, and God offers this right here. And he says, we've got mercy and we've got grace. Wow. So what it is is you've got this access. You've Also, you've got this acceptance. But let me give you the third word, and that's the assurance. That's an assurance. Look in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Look at Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. He says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Hello, folks, here we are. The inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. He's already gone before us on our behalf. There is an assurance. There's an assurance that the penalty has been paid for your sins, but it goes a step further. A forerunner is a, mili- is a picture of it is a military scout. And a military scout is the one that would go before uh, the troops. And they would scout it out. And then once they scout it out and they got there, then they give the report and they say, you come follow me. I've already been there. He is the forerunner to heaven. He gives you the assurance that one day when you step out of this world, you'll step into eternity. There's an assurance. And the reason we have the assurance, the veil has been torn. The price has been paid. I just, you know, this week, opportunities to be in different meetings and groups and stuff. And I've heard people stand and talk about uh, friends that recently died. And what a, what a piece it is when they share about it and they talk about this person knew the Lord and it was a victorious time. Why can you say that? You can say that because Jesus says, I am the forerunner. I have already gone before you. And, and even in the book of John, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And so we have this assurance. Step through the veil. It's a challenge for every one of us. It's an invitation for everyone. And if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I just decided to come to this service. This is a big church sitting on top of the hill. And we say, hey, let's give them a shot. Let's see what it is. And you know, I've never made this decision. This is an invitation for you to step through that veil to accept that gift that Christ has given you of dying on the cross and shedding his blood for your sins and then to know that that blood is on that mercy seat and he'll take you into the presence of God. You'll be adopted into the family of God and he will embrace you and he will love you. That's an invitation for you. And, and you see, I had always, I would have stopped right there. I would have stopped right there. Every time I think about this, those are the things I think about. But I heard a song was reminded of a song by Charles Billingsley that he wrote, and it's called Within the Veil. And so the second point that I want you to write down is to walk within the veil. And he got me just even through that song to take a look at some of the scriptures to tie in with that, but he got me thinking about that once you step in the veil, you then have an opportunity to walk within the veil. It's not a one-time step in. It means you have this access every day. 
Let me read you some of the words of this song. Lonely Golgotha, 2,000 years ago, the giver of life gave up his human soul. All the earth would tremble, deep thunderclouds would form. In the center of the temple, the holy veil was torn. And on that day was made a passageway into the very presence of the Lord. And then listen. And I walked within the veil and saw the glory of God, the Father, beheld and felt the touch of him who knew me so well. And then I fell on my knees and worshiped within the veil. But then, within the veil, there's a consuming fire that purifies my thoughts and changes my desires. Offerings of confession with every word I speak, but his forgiveness gives me strength when temptation has me weak. And I return each day to that holy place where his arms are open wide to welcome me. And I walk within the veil and see the glory of God, the Father, be held and feel the touch of him who knows me so well. And I fall on my knees and worship him within the veil. Church members, believers, if you have stepped through the veil, you're now walking within the veil. And as you walk in the veil, two words I want you to remember. Number one is adoration. And that is that we should praise God and worship God every day of our life for what he's done. Fall on our knees and worship him. Every day, your feet hit the ground, your knees should hit the ground. And say, God, I just praise you and thank you for what you've done through Jesus Christ. And the second thing, last word, is alignment. And I use the word alignment because you walk within the veil, you need to get your life aligned with God. And as the verse of Scripture, if you look back on uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, as you turn to 4.16, sometimes when you, with your car, you'll hear, you'll take it in to get serviced, and someone, one of the um, mechanics will say, you got to get your front end aligned. You ever had anybody tell you that? You got to get that front end aligned over here. You know, when your front end of your car is out of line, it will cause the tires to wobble a little bit. It'll cause your tires to wear a little bit, and it can be dangerous. And it's interesting because if your car is out of line on the front end, it may take a bump or so and cause you to veer off, and you could either hit somebody, you could roll into a ditch. In essence, what will happen is you will go where you really had no plans of going, and the result is never a good result. So the mechanic says, let me get your front end aligned so that you can continue to go the path that you want to go. As I'm trying to determine the path that I want to go, I look over here at, Ephesians, at excuse me, Hebrews 4.16. And on 4.16, again, let us then with confidence we draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. And look at the very end of that. To help in time of need. To help in time of need. Some translations have in a timely manner. And what that means is as you stand here, you're within the veil, you come to God and you say, God, I need to align my life with your life. 
And God says, I will help you in a timely manner. I will meet your needs. I will sustain you. I will guide you. I will direct you. I'll provide forgiveness of your sins. And I'll also give you direction and path in your life. And so as I'm walking within the veil to align my life with him, I've got a God that will embrace me, that will love me, that will care for me, who accepts me into my into the family. And there's nothing you can hold back and need to hold back. You walk through there and you get face to face with God and you say, my marriage is a shambles and I need to get realigned. My work, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I'm frustrated in the work I'm in. I think I'm going to be, need to go something else. I don't know what to do. Or God, I'm just scared because I just got a note from work and they said, hey, we're downsizing. You're, you're on the bubble. Looks like you may be next to go. What do I do? Lord, I've been feeling good and all of a sudden I go in for a physical and I get a report and it says it may be cancer. Where do I go? What do I do? How, how do I have the strength? What, what's my next steps that I am to take? And I get my life aligned with God because there's no surprises with him. Nothing is taken him uh, by shock. and Oh, I didn't see that coming. And he, through his power and strength, will help you walk through that. And he will align you in such a way that you will walk through whatever your situation is and you will bring honor and glory to God. And when it's all said and done, and as you begin to look back in the rearview mirror as to where the path you just took, if you're aligned with him, you'll see God things all over that path. And you will see, well, I'll see how God did this. I'll see how God did this. I'll see how God did this. It's amazing. It's not the path I would have chosen, Lord, but good gracious. I'm amazed at how you worked through that. And there was some pain and there was some hurt, but all along the way, because you were walking within the veil, you had the power of God to strengthen you and to sustain you to make it through that time. That's what God's done for us. And he's given us this incredible access to him. And it's not just access, but it's an acceptance. He puts his arms around you. And he assures you, not only are we going to make it through, through here, but we'll make it all the way into eternity. And I've got a place set for you, set for you in heaven. And because of that, God, I want to praise you and give you adoration through all of, all of the living moments that you give me here on earth. And God, I want to be aligned with you. I want your will to be aligned with mine. My will needs to be your will. I want to see that alignment take place, and that's where I want to go. And it happens when we not only step within the veil, but we walk within the veil with the presence of a holy God. This is what he calls us to do. Step through it if you've never stepped through it. To walk within it if you've done the step through, do the walk within and let God do his work in your life. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. 
And to know that from the foundations of the earth, you knew this time was going to come in which Jesus was going to die on the cross and pay that penalty for our sins. And that three days later, you would bring him back from the dead, showing that you had total victory over sin and over death. And you did that for us. And so, Lord, I prayed during this service, unashamedly, that if you're speaking to our hearts, that we would not back away from that. And that, God, that we would, in all boldness and confidence, take that step and walk through the veil and say, God, I'm ready to take your hand. I'm ready to be your child. And, Lord, I pray for those that are here that they've done that step through, but it's been a long time which they've been walking since they walked around and within that veil. I pray that today you get a hold of their hearts and let them know that there's a great journey ahead of them if they'll just walk within that veil. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.